Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Acts chapter number 22, if you would, please. Appreciate the message and song. Appreciate the choir special tonight as well, the Master's Call. We don't have to wait for a missions conference or midsummer missions to have a missions emphasis, do we? We're to be always on mission, so really appreciate the preaching and presentation. We want to try to have Brother Matt back to preach at some point. And what's your target date, Brother Matt, as far as trying to arrive there? March of next year is their target date, and so let's pray to that end. And, and so in any case, I'm really glad that they could be with us. And I really believe that the message tonight fits well with what we've heard presented to us, and I would like to say also the way by which it was presented to us. And I really do appreciate that, and I hope that it will contribute tonight in our study of the book of Acts, chapter number 22. We'll begin reading the words of Paul last time we read from Acts, of course, Acts last, um, last Sunday night, we saw that Paul was uh, arrested, and this is going to begin a series of, of uh, opportunities for Paul to preach. And so it says, let me just read one verse in chapter 21, verse 40. It says, when he had given him license, when the Roman leader allowed Paul to speak, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with a hand unto the people, and when there was made a great silence, this mob of people became silent. He spake to them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. When they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarshish, a city of Cilicia, Yet brought up in this city, in reference to Jerusalem, at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way, talking about Christians, I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. As also the chief priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders from whom also I received elders unto the brethren, and went to Damascus, to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. It must have been quite a light to have outshone the light of the sun. It says, I fell unto the ground... And heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things that are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, and having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. 
And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, in reference to Jesus, that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of all that thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance, and I saw him saying unto me, talking about Jesus, make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know, they know that I imprison and beat in every synagogue them that believe on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Let's read just uh, one more verse here. And they gave audience unto him, unto this word. They gave audience unto this word. And then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. So he listened to him right up until he said, Gentile. And that did it. Tonight, with God's help, I'd like to preach how that we as Christians, we as followers, disciples of Christ, remember last week, it was Christians, or disciples rather, follow Jesus. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called of God to show love to those who express hate. We are called of God to show love to those who express hate. I can't help but think that God just put this together. And for us to consider, and it's not the only area that we're going to consider, but, but I, I'm, I'm with you, Brother Matt, when I hear, and I believe all of us tonight would say, you know, when we hear the terminology Muslim and so forth, we're, we're prone to think, just like he explained that we're prone to think. But if we could get the help of God to say, no, not, not that way, but just simply people who need Christ then God would help us to show love to those who express hate. May God bless the reading of His Word. As you're seated tonight, we'll get into the message here this evening. Fighting a few allergies, so you might put up with a little bit of a scratchy voice, but we'll make it. That's what the sound pastor is for. Luke's intent here has been to trace the movement, and by this time of our study of the book of Acts, we might say it this way, the incredible, amazing movement of the gospel as it journeyed there in Jerusalem among the Jewish people first, and then it branched out into Judea and Samaria, among the Samaritans, among other Jewish peoples living there, and then it went within that same region to the Gentile people. And then from there, we've watched as the gospel moved into Asia. And then from there, we watched as the gospel continued moving further to the west into Europe or Macedonia and further south there into Achaia and so forth into Greece. And so we've seen the movement of the gospel. And I want to thank God tonight that it did not stop there, but it kept going even west 
And it went all the way into Europe, and into Rome, rather, as Paul's going to testify even before Caesar. And so God is doing an incredible work. It's a supernatural work of God as he's using normal, ordinary men to accomplish his will. Quite astounding. And, of course, we have seen that Luke is writing this account to Theophilus, his friend, to instill courage in him, boldness in him, that he doesn't have to be shy about the gospel, but rather to be bold with the gospel because he's not believed a fable. He's believed the truth. And truth ought to travel. In fact, I appreciate the way that our that Brother uh, Matt Haynes put it, that we want to get there before the cults, the false teachers get in. May God help the truth travel faster than, than lies. But I've heard somebody say that a lie travels around the world while the truth is still putting on its shoes. Sometimes that's the case. May God help us to speed this family along as they take the truth. Well, we've seen the rapid movement of the gospel, which, by the way, I don't think that it was designed by God to move rapidly just in that time frame, but that God has so designed the gospel and the church planning effort that it can move rather rapidly in this time frame if we who know the gospel will move and let God move through us. And thus to evangelize the world as it is. And that's exactly what they were set and determined to do. And at the same time, there was opposition. The Jews wanted to stop Paul. They said, away with this man. They're going to say it again. Away with this man. Well, no wonder they had already said away with Jesus. It's no wonder that they would say away with his disciples. But they were not trying just to stop a man, but they were also trying to stop a message. But isn't it amazing that the attempt to stop the gospel only gives it fuel to go further. And that's what happened. That's what happened then. That's what's happening in our text as Paul is standing. I mean, you stop and think about this, and we might, we might be inclined to think, oh, man, this is so sad because Paul was at liberty to travel here and there, and isn't it sad now that now he's going to be bound and, and, and carted off, hauled off up to Caesarea and then on to uh, Rome? And isn't it sad that, that now he's not free? Listen, he may have been bound, but the gospel message was not bound. It's going to travel. In fact, he's going to have opportunity at this point to share the gospel with the highest realm of Judaism, with the the highest ranking Jewish officials. And then in addition to that, God, by the fact that he's arrested, he's just basically in a a free ticket paid to Rome. And going to have escort there by way of the soldiers that will escort him. I'm talking about protection. And so God is going to allow that the gospel and make it possible that the gospel would go to the highest ranking officials in the Roman Empire, including Caesar himself. So the efforts that the enemy made to stop the gospel only gave it fuel to go faster and further. So we're coming now upon a section of Acts where it's going to be Paul carted from one prison to another prison to another prison, standing before one ruler to another ruler to another ruler. But did not Jesus say that that's exactly what would happen, that you would stand before kings and rulers for my name's sake, and and that when you stand there, don't be afraid because I'll give you exactly what you ought to say. You see, this is not a terrible thing that's happening. This is rather a wonderful thing that's happening, that the gospel is going further by this missionary named Paul. And the means by which it was. We saw last time that Paul was misunderstood. Have you ever been misunderstood? 
sure everybody in here trying to serve the Lord, you've been misunderstood. Sometimes your motives are misunderstood even by your own family members, even by your own wife, or even by your own kids, even by your own husband. Your motives might be misunderstood. Everybody in here tonight who's trying to live for God is going to have somebody that's looking at the way you're trying to live for God and maybe misunderstand why you're doing what you're doing. You could be misunderstood. Is that going to stop you? Paul was misunderstood. Even among, by his own brothers, he was misunderstood. They say that you're uh, emphasizing don't follow Moses any longer and don't circumcise. Well, Paul didn't say any such thing. And so he was misunderstood. Then this, we saw this, he was misrepresented as the unbelieving Jews came in and brought him before the, before the people and said, here's the man that's troubling us. He's even brought a Gentile into the temple. Well, that was not even anywhere near true. But you don't have to have the truth to make an accusation. So Paul was misrepresented. Misunderstood. Misrepresented. And mistreated. You saw uh, there in Acts chapter 21 how that they took Paul and they were about, verse 31 of chapter 21 says that he was, they were about to kill him. And they beat him. They were literally beating him. When the Roman officials arrived on the scene, the Bible says in verse number uh, 32 that they left the beating of Paul. So that indicates, of course, that they were beating Paul. They left the beating of Paul. Misunderstood. Misrepresented. Even mistreated. Falsely accused. If the internet had been around, it would have went out on internet. What Paul said, what Paul did. Letters would have been sent. You get what I'm saying? We're talking about a man who was misunderstood, misrepresented, and even mistreated, beat up. Beat up. And yet he was trying to do what was right. He was serving God. Serving the Lord. He has occasion. He says to the, to the Roman leader, may I speak with thee? He spoke in Greek. And he asked him, do you speak Greek? Of course he did. Spoke Greek. He said, are you that Egyptian? He again was misunderstood. He said, no. And so he asked, could I speak to the people? And, and we've got to get a, a picture in our minds here. Here's a mob in front of Paul. A wild and crazy mob. Now I haven't experienced quite the likes, except at baseball games. But you have a mob of people who are against you, and Paul stands on the stairs of the steps, and he raises his hands, and as he raises his hands, everybody grows silent instantly. Isn't that amazing that this crazy mob suddenly becomes quiet? And he speaks to them in the Hebrew dialect, in the Hebrew tongue, maybe Aramaic. He speaks to them, and when they see that he speaks still good Hebrew, they said, I'll give him a listening to and every one of them listened to what he had to say. What would you have to say? Could you put yourself in his sandals? Could you? You've been misunderstood. You've been, you've been misrepresented. They literally were just beating you and they had intent to kill you. Would you stop and think about that just a moment? Put yourself in that situation. They're saying that you're against the law, that you're against Moses. They're making all these accusations and their fists were literally pounding you. And you have the opportunity to speak to them. What would you say? 
what would you be prone to say? What might I be prone to say if I put myself in that situation? You know what we're prone to do? We are prone to defend ourselves, aren't we? Uh, I could just imagine us standing there. I can just imagine myself standing there. Listen, I didn't say any such thing. You're losing my voice saying it. I didn't say this. I didn't say that. You can ask my wife. <laughs> you know, we're prone to defend ourselves and we'll get our friends together. You tell them. That's what we're prone to do. You know what else we're prone to do? We're prone to make the other person look bad. You, you think that I'm a sinner? Well, let me tell you what a sinner you are. Can you just imagine? Would he have legitimate grounds to stand before them at that occasion and to say, listen, I'm innocent. I'm not guilty of what you're saying, but let me tell you how bad you are. That's our human inclination. That's what we want to do. You're beating me down. I'm going to beat you down. You're saying wrong things about me. I'm going to say wrong things about you. You're making false accusations against me. I'm going to make accusations against you, and they're true. You see what we do? That's what we're prone. That's in us. That's what we want to do towards those who express hate to us. What did Paul do? Men, brethren, fellow countrymen. You know what he did? He spoke with respect. He spoke with respect. How did he show love? Well, I just want to kind of get into it here a little bit tonight. And I want you to see, even though he was being disrespected, even though the, the people were sinning against him, really they were acting in a way that was not respectable. Would you agree with that tonight? They were not being respectable, and yet Paul was being respectable. And he respected them, men, brethren, countrymen. Let me speak unto you. Another thing he did was this. He found common ground. He established common ground with them. What what are you talking about there? He said this, I'm a Jew. They were Jews. I'm a Jew, you're a Jew. I was born in Tarshish. Tarshish was a leading city in their day and time. It was an intellectual's center they would have respected the city of Tarshish and the people that were there. But I was brought up in Jerusalem. Where were they? Jerusalem. I learned, I, was, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who was Gamaliel. Gamaliel, some say, was the most respected Jewish teacher of their day. Paul saying, I was taught at his feet. I sat at his feet and I learned. A member of the Sanhedrin. Paul says, I taught in the law. I was zealous, like you're zealous, about the law. I was so zealous that I persecuted that way. I persecuted the saints. In fact, these Jewish leaders that are here, they know that Saul of Tarshish had uh, uh, papers to travel to Damascus and to arrest those that were of that way, that were Christians, and to bring them down, that we might deal with them, that we might punish them. He established common ground with them. But then he did this. He spoke, I want to review, he spoke with them, to them with respect. He established some common ground with them, but then this, he focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. He focused on Jesus. 
He said that as he was riding there on his way to Damascus, that a bright light shone from heaven, brighter than the sun, and it knocked him off his horse. And he was on the ground. And a voice came to him saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou who? Me. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And and Jesus responded to him. And we don't know all that Jesus said to him. A a lot of it is recorded for us back in chapter 9. Here in chapter 22, we'll see it also in chapter 26. But the Lord spoke to him. He saw the glorious light. In fact, it was so glorious that he was blinded because of it by his own admission. He said that the Lord helped him to understand what the plan was for his life. Ananias was used of God. I love the phraseology that that Ananias used when he said, Brother Saul. Because Ananias was not too excited about going to see this man named Saul. Well, you might imagine if he'd been killing your brothers and sisters, then you wouldn't be inclined maybe to go either. But the Lord showed him what his will was for his life. He He said, Saul, I want to use you. I want to use you to reach the people of Israel, but I want to use you to reach also the Gentile people. You know what Saul said in verse 19? He said this, Lord, they know that I... Do you see that? Look at it again in verse number 19 of chapter 22. Lord, they know... They know that I imprisoned and beat. Lord, they know. You know what I thought about in study of this passage... We should not let what man knows keep us from what God says. Because, you know, God might call you and want you to be a witness, and you might say something like this, but Lord, they know that I used to, but Lord, they know that I have, but Lord, they know, hey, you think the Lord doesn't know that they know? The Lord knows that they know. The Lord knew that they knew, and he called this man Saul. Lord, they know. Well, the Lord knows, and he had plans. And so in verse uh, number 18, the Lord appears to him in the temple. I mean, it's a call that's very similar to the call of Isaiah when he was in the temple, or to Samuel when he was in the temple, and the Lord spoke to him while he was in the very temple, the very temple that they said he had desecrated by the presence of a Gentile individual. The very temple there, the Lord spoke to him and said, listen, Saul, you need to get out, you need to flee. And and Saul, Paul, followed the leadership of the Lord. And I like verse number 21 especially when it says this, And he said unto me, Jesus said unto unto Saul, Depart. You know, for you to do what God wants you to do into the future, you've got to leave your past behind. Jesus said, I know what your past is. I want to move you away from it. Depart. Depart. For I will send thee. You realize tonight that there's a higher authority than man's authority. And and Jesus is saying to Saul, I'm going to send you. I want you to leave your past behind. I have a plan for you. And listen, God's plan for you takes you further than what your plan would take yourself. He says, I will send you far hence. Saul, I've got great plans for your life. And then he said, Gentiles. The very instant that he said Gentiles, they stopped listening. The Bible says that they rent their clothes and they said, Away with such a man as this. 
want to say to you tonight, not everybody's going to be excited about your desire to do what God's will is for your life. Not everybody's going to share that excitement. Paul spoke to him with respect. Paul worked to establish common ground. Paul shared with them who Jesus was. And he focused on what Jesus said about his plan for his life. If you sum it up, it shows us this, that Paul showed love to those who had expressed hate to him. Why? Why? Have you stopped to think about that? Why would he do this? Why would he show respect to people who were just beating him to a pulp? Why, why would he try to establish common ground with people that were trying to kill him? Why would he go the extra mile to just focus on the Lord Jesus and not to focus on how it's affecting him and how he's been uh, misrepresented and how he's being mistreated? Because Paul understood this. He's supposed to show love to those who even have expressed hate to him because of the great love, the incredibly great love that had been shown to Paul. He said, I was persecuting Christians. I was sinning against God. I was doing all these things. But I just want to thank him today that he showed me great mercy. And thus Paul was able to show them great mercy because he'd already received great mercy in his life from the Lord. I would imagine tonight... You and I are not going to face the type of opposition, of course, that Saul or Paul, rather, has, been, has faced. You're probably not going to have a Jewish mob coming after you. You're probably not going to have a mob coming after you. Brother Matt might. But most of us are not going to have that. But this still applies to our lives. Because those who love Jesus are glad to share his love even with those who have expressed hate to them. Why? Because Jesus already has forgiven them of so much. How could they ex- but show mercy and forgiveness to others? Forgiven sinners forgive. Paul understood that ultimately their sin was not against him, but their sin ultimately was against God. And he did not take it personally, even though it was affecting him personally. He cared so much about them that he wanted to tell them about him, even though they had expressed hate to him. I think we could find some other examples of this. Jesus, dying on the cross, cried out, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Stephen, who was being stoned, Paul mentioned how that he was there when Stephen was being stoned. Stephen said, lay not this sin to their account. Why did he say that? Because he cared about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he cared about their soul. And where they would spend eternity. I think about Corey Ten Boom, who there, as they were in that Nazi uh, prison camp, and her sister was dying because of the treatment. And she was having a hard time showing love. It was her sister who had been 
especially mistreated by one individual uh, German leader whose sister told Corey, you've got to show them Christ's love, even though they're showing us incredible hatred. How about the wives of the five men who went to live among the ones who killed their very husbands as the Wadoni took the lives of Jim Elliot and Roger Udarian and the other three their wives went and lived among the savages. How do you do that? How do you show love to those who have expressed such hate to you? You just realize how much you've been forgiven and how greatly they need to be forgiven. I think of Louis Zamperini, who was a prisoner of war during World War II, who did not know Christ at the time and went through incredibly terrible, terrible treatment at the hands of the Japanese soldiers that were there who were carrying out their duties against American soldiers and other soldiers who were locked up there. I'm telling you, it's atrocities that were done unto them. And the hate welled up in his heart and, and the desire to get revenge, and, and it lived with him for so many years but then one day he went to an evangelistic meeting where he heard the gospel and this man Louis Zamperini was saved and after he was saved he wanted to go back to Japan to speak to those very men who had been his captors and many of them he was able to speak to them the love of Jesus Christ I want to ask you tonight are you willing to share Christ with those who have wronged you It may be tonight a spouse who's been unkind. There's been some misunderstandings. It's possible that within a marriage there might be a few misunderstandings. There might be some misrepresentation. There may very well be some mistreatment. You know what we're inclined to do? Retaliate. We've been spoken against. You want to speak back. It may be tonight there's someone who has a spouse who's been unfaithful. An unfaithful spouse. How do you show love to someone who's hurt you so deeply? You may not be physically beaten, but the wounds of your spirit and your soul and your trust and your confidence and all those things are just shattered. How do you show love to someone like that? How do you show love, parents, to a son or a daughter who has hurt you or wronged you? How do you show love those of you that have a parent who mistreated you. Could we speak tonight of a boss who has mistreated you or hasn't done you right there at the job place? Could we speak tonight about friends, even fellow church members who maybe who have hurt you or said wrong things about you, who, who, who maybe have misrepresented you or even mistreated you? Could we speak to that tonight? If you had an audience to speak to those who have hurt you, what would you say? Could you steal your, the, the audience there and say, men and brethren, could you speak with respect? Could you establish common ground? 
Could you share Christ and what His plan is? Could you focus on that? If so, then may I submit to you tonight that that's not you. But that's the love of Jesus coming through. As Christians, we're called to express love to those who have expressed hate to us. Maybe tonight as you heard that the Hanes were coming and that they were going to be going to the area of Iraq. The first thoughts maybe that came to your mind. They've expressed hate to us. 9-11 is still very vivid in all of our minds. They've expressed hate to us. Why should we show love to them? Why? Because we've received such love from a Savior from whom we deserved absolutely nothing, against whom we were sinning every single day, against whom we have sinned just like they have sinned. And I thought the video did such a wonderful job and the testimonies that we've heard tonight have done such a wonderful job to show us that really we're not much different than they when it all comes down to it. They are sinners and we are sinners. They need Jesus and we needed Jesus. The only difference is this, we have him. We know him. We have the word of God in our language. We can show the love of Christ. Why? Because he showed such great love to us. We are debtors to show love to them. Debtors to show love to them who've expressed such hate towards us. Yes. Because ultimately, it's not against us. It's against God. What comes to your mind when you think about gang members? You realize Southwest Baptist Church is situated right about where all that's going on? What comes to your mind when you think about gang members? Graffiti. I saw some this morning, some new stuff, not on our property. We've not been tagged in a long time. What comes to your mind when you think about gang members? Can we be inclined tonight to look at them a little bit differently? Can we look at him as maybe a 14-year-old boy who used to ride our church bus that got away from God that needs desperately to get back to him, that needs a place where he feels like he has a sense of belonging? He's finding it out there. He really needs to find it here. What comes to your mind when you think about that young lady who is expecting and not married? What comes to your mind when you think about an inmate? What comes to your mind when you think about a drug dealer? What comes to your mind when you think about an illegal immigrant? What comes to your mind when you think about a different ethnic group that's here in our city? What comes to your mind when you think about a homosexual? And what we're inclined to do is hold people off. When at this juncture in time we are called of God to stand before them, and to show them the love of Jesus Christ. Why? Because his love has been so greatly shown to us. In no way was Paul condoning the sin of the Jews. In no way are we to condone the sin of whatever group I just mentioned. But in every way, just as Paul did then, so should we now show others the love of Christ because of the love of Christ that has been shown to us. 
May God help us to do that. Father, we pray to you tonight, challenged by the example of Paul and others who spoke to even those who did them wrong with respect and established common ground. And instead of focusing on what they were doing to his person, he focused rather on the person of Christ. And so I pray tonight, dear God, for the spouse whose spouse has done them wrong, who has hurt them deeply, that, God, they might respond with respect and love. And remember the common ground in Christ that exists between them. And, God, that they might focus on Jesus and your plan for their life and their marriage rather than the problems even within their marriage. And I pray the same for parents who have been hurt by children and children who have been hurt by parents, that, God, we would not focus on the hurt that's come to us personally and individually, but rather we would focus on the mercy and the grace that's been shown to us so greatly through Christ. And I pray that you'd help us with the various people groups that live right here in our own city and around other areas, dear God, that you'd help us to show the love of Christ to them. We'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.